0: All right, the war in uh, Ukraine is an ongoing conflict, but it began actually in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. Uh, and uh, pro-Russian separatists seized control over the provinces in eastern Ukraine. But of course, as we all know, Russia invaded Ukraine in a big way in February this year. The war persists today. And one person who's traveled to Ukraine on several occasions uh, in the last 10 months is Milos Pospisil. He, he and I have talked a few times here on CKNW, and it's always interesting to get his perspective. He's just a regular guy here in Canada who's gone and volunteered to go over there and give his time and do some stuff. And I want to talk to him about this now that we're 10 months into this, this war in the Ukraine. Hey, Milos, how's it going? Hi, good. Thank you very much for having me back. Happy holidays to you. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. And I know uh, this past 10 months has been an interesting one for you. For those who haven't uh, heard from you and heard our our conversations, tell me a bit about what, you know, the last 10 months, what's, you know, take us back to the beginning here when you first decided after the war started that you wanted to get uh, connected over there and why
1: yeah yeah okay okay, yeah so I made a couple trips over there this year. Uh, the first one was to um, was rather impulsive. It was about two weeks after the invasion started, and uh just felt a real powerful compulsion to uh, do something uh hands on to to help the uh, the refugees at that time. so in early March, I flew out to Poland tried to drive into Ukraine to help evacuate families out of Lviv, but I couldn't get the rental car into the country. So what I ended up doing was evacuating uh refugee families to their uh, their, their destinations throughout Europe and volunteering at the um at a couple different refugee centers. So that was the first trip.
0: You had no you know, experience though, that you just kinda of showed up and said, Oh, let me let me drive a car how does that even work? Yeah, yeah, I was it was, uh,
1: I, I didn't know what would happen, honestly. Yeah, I just bought the ticket. It was very impulsive. Three days later, I was, you know, on the border, and I was just uh, just sort of made my way as I went, uh, connected with other volunteers. You know, there were other like-minded people there who mm-hmm. had dropped everything and showed up. Um, and it was uh, almost everything at that time in Poland on the border was, was volunteer run.
0: And, and back then, if, for those of us, I mean, we all remember, but it's, it seems like a million years away now. But at that time, there was little hope that, you know, Ukraine would make it through this and that the, the people leaving the country were in the millions um, and they yeah. were, didn't know where they were going. And you were down there. And what's your connection specifically to Ukraine? How, do you, how are you connected to it?
1: Personally. Yeah, I actually don't have any 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 family from Ukraine. I'm I'm Czech by birth, okay. so my, my my connection is more of um, shared experience in terms of uh, having been born in Russian-occupied Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. So my, my family escaped; we were political refugees in the '80s. Um, okay. So for me, it was about solidarity with the people, and uh, you know the, the the barbaric nature of the war, uh, as everyone is now well familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, was what really drove me. I was just terror. I was just uh, horrified, you know, by what was happening to them. Yeah.
0: When yeah. we spoke back early, I think it was way back, maybe in April, March. I forget. You were one of the things that was shocking to you was the complexities of just you going up and trying to help these people wasn't as easy as you th- you know thought you, it might be because there were concerns about other stuff that were surprising. Yeah. You know, what were some of those things that you that you that you were told and you discovered when you first got there that first time?
1: yeah the 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 influx of refugees was so tremendous um i mean it was uh like you say in the millions mm. and uh, the polish the polish uh government people were doing everything possible. but in a situation like that there's there's two different types of people that tend to descend on that kind of situation or that are attracted to that sort of crisis those that want to help and those that want to take advantage mm. and There was a lot of human trafficking. Uh, going on at the time, because there simply weren't security measures in place, sufficient security measures to protect these refugees. And we have to remember that men were not allowed, are still not allowed to leave. So these were basically women and children coming across the border. Um, And yes, as a volunteer, uh, I was literally walking around the refugee center in a, you know, know, in a yellow vest. I had written Mm -hmm. down the languages I spoke and, and just tried to Offer rides to the families, but um, it, it it wasn't always easy because mm-hmm. you know
0: they, they, they you know they had to decide to trust me. Right. In that sense. Yeah. So strange the kind of things you don't think about, but of of course, yeah. of course, there's horrible people out there doing something for the wrong reasons. You went back a second time, and and this time you went actually into Ukraine.
1: I did. I did. So in July. Uh, as part of uh, our, our medical aid uh, organization, Project Volia, I partnered up with a couple people. Uh, in, in any case, yeah, this time I flew all the way. Well, I flew to Poland again, took a train into Kiev, uh, and then I went all the way to the front lines in Kharkiv uh, in the east. And mm-hmm. at that time in July, the Russians were only 10 kilometers outside the city limits. And they, when I was there, we were delivering around $15,000 worth of tactical medical supplies to the army directly. And in Kharkiv, we were being shelled and and I was being awoken uh, at four in the morning uh, by missile strikes on the city. It was it was it was pretty scary at the time, but well worth uh, the risk um, getting that supplies directly into their hands.
0: The difference between the first trip and the second trip, you know, was significant, I would imagine, because the first trip, there was little hope that this that Ukraine would make it through this. That this giant Russian army was, you know, would dominate. Of course. Then you go back in July, completely different picture. You're seeing the strength of Ukraine, their their ability to push back. How yeah. did that when you're when you were actually in Ukraine back in July and you're talking to people? What was the, the obviously people must have been elated. They are just you know in a war, but they're also must be very proud. And what was that like? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes it was amazing to see the the resilience the the bravery the the fortitude i mean whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. they just it was it was it was inspiring and 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 to my surprise they were they were inspired to see people like me there who really um didn't need to be there you know And, and and it was very helpful them to see that we care so my, mm-hmm. my our presence physically my presence physically was 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 uh, very they were very grateful for for the fact that i had come all that way and taken that risk for them um but they, they, they've done such an incredible job i mean since then they've pushed back in the kharkiv uh, uh, oblast in mm-hmm. the north as we know they've taken back a huge portion of the Kherson region um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I knew at the time, I knew it. I could feel it. I could, I could see it on them. I knew that they were going to make progress and they have. Yep. Uh, but now we're into a, a new phase of the war in the wintertime, obviously, and right. things are, are, are hard.
0: Milosh, you know, you were been to Ukraine twice in the past year uh, at your own volition to kind of go there and try to help. Uh, is there a plan to go there uh, another time this coming year in 2023?
1: Yes, yes. Um, just need to find the right timing and make sure that the visit, you know, has maximum value. So working on that right now, but um, since the last trip, I've been really focused on fundraising mm-hmm. and we've managed to get a couple shipments out to uh, Kevin and Kiev, you know, and he's been taking them right to the front lines in Donetsk. Uh, he was there twice already, um, and, you know, he's, he's been putting himself into a lot of danger as well. Wow. They got shelled, shelled by S-300s in, 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 uh, outside of Kharkiv, and he got back from um, the Donetsk front lines just two days ago from another training, training mission, and they were being shelled there again uh, within 150 meters. But he's fine, and he's collecting information, you know, on what the soldiers need the most, and then I basically do my best to fundraise and ship that over there.
0: And what are the things they need most right now? Given the weather, it must be related to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of people helping with the, uh, a lot of organizations helping with the winter Mm -hmm. related uh, things like generators, everything from generators to socks and things like that. Um, In terms of the medical supplies, um, you know, it's mostly, it's been the same pretty much the whole time. It's tourniquets, Um, hemostatic gauze and um, chest seals Mm -hmm. so we're actually starting to source from ukrainian manufacturers who are producing some extremely high quality products at much lower prices so we're starting to change our procurement habits a little bit to get more you know more bang for Mm -hmm. our buck and
0: and if you want to donate where do they go for that by the way if they want to help you out
1: yeah, thank you for, for, for saying that. Uh, yeah, So on, on GoFundMe, if you mm-hmm. search by my name or Project Volia, and it's spelled V-O-L-Y-A, you'll find the fundraiser there. Okay. Um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And in in the, in the new year, I, I want to diversify a little bit um, through the con- contacts I made there. I, I want to start supporting this Center for Social and Psychological Rehabilitation in Kiev. There's a, a woman I'm in touch with there, a psychologist, who's mm-hmm. helping traumatized children yeah. uh, from the war you know and and, and also um, thinking about getting into a little bit more slightly different aid in terms of uh, defensive aid uh, Ukraine has a brand new uh, kamikaze, uh, like a kamikaze drone um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, capability so they're starting to manufacture these smaller drones that can um, hit uh, Russian armored vehicles and slow them down so that would help save some of the Ukrainian lives as well so it might open up a couple of new fundraisers in the new year as well.
0: It's amazing what's happened over the last ten months. It's horrible, and and of course you talk about this psychological, uh, you know, repercussions for these kids and everybody really who who are there, and uh, you have to worry about yourself going there as well. Um, but when you it's back in February, compared to now, and then you when I see some of the tweets you're making, uh, and the future. You know where there seems to be, and you saw the president of Ukraine and coming to, literally. Like, who would have thought that in February that you would see him fly no. into Washington and make a statement in front of the? Con- I mean, these are things that are unbelievable after this short period of time. Um, what are your thoughts on because you've been there on the ground, you've seen, you've met the people. What does the next year hold for, for Ukraine and really for Russia? I mean, it's, I think you tweeted today about USSR 31 years ago. Uh, the fall of uh, the USSR happened and, and, and that changed everything. And are we, are we heading towards that or is it more controlled now than it was back then?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's you know, it's war, so it's so hard to tell mm-hmm. what will happen. But in my opinion and based on all the conversations I have with my friends there and I I speak to uh, um, foreign fighters uh, that I text with who are on the front lines as well. Um you know, Russia's doubling down. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're losing, they're losing um in terms uh, on, on many different levels, uh, but they're mobilizing so many additional uh, soldiers. As you've probably heard, they're pulling a lot of uh, uh, men out of, out of their prison system as well mm-hmm. and they're throwing a lot of untrained conscripts at the front lines. Um, it's We're going to enter a very difficult phase um, in the coming year because of the amount of the volume of manpower that Russia is willing to to sacrifice mm-hmm. in in this imperialistic you know, uh, invasion. And, um, what, what do I see happening? But do I mean, you,
0: with your connections in Russia, which you must have some because of your back, your, your childhood, your, your family, is there mm. any backlash happening that you've sensed that could push it to, against what's happening? You know, it's surprising yeah. that you're not, you're not, you see these revolts, but they get shut down pretty quick. It seems like they're containing the message in Russia and they're not yeah. aware of this, what's going on. And they see it as propaganda from the West.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think within Russia, it's a bit of a mix. Uh, some are subject to propaganda, don't really mm-hmm. know, the, you know what's going on. Unfortunately, there is a significant amount of support for the war as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally do not believe there's going to be some sort of an uprising Um mm-hmm and a toppling of the Putin Mm -hmm. regime. What I do see, however, is if the Ukrainians continue to succeed in their counteroffensive, and that uh, uh, depends so much on military aid, heavy weaponry, Mm -hmm. if we're able to finish the job, give them what they need, and they're able to take Crimea back, I think that would be politically Mm -hmm. untenable for Putin. At that point, I would see... Um, basically, his 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 circle asking him basically forcing oh, him doing. to step down. Yeah, yeah, forcing him to step down at that point. Yeah, but they, what, what's scary is how committed they are to this, despite the fact that they they're
0: they're just losing ground you know they're they're losing on every front and they're yeah. just cannon fodder with their with their people and using them is yeah. you know terrible Milosh I appreciate you joining me again uh, today and I'm sure we'll probably he- have you on again in the future stay safe when you I travel there to. and uh, send uh, Canada's best to the people there when you talk to them uh, and thank appreciate you. uh, all your your help out there
1: I appreciate it very much thank you so thanks. much for helping keeping keep Ukraine in the spotlight thanks Milos. Uh, George thank you thank. Thanks. You.